Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, and I'm joined today by Sean Taylor, former officer that's uh, going to tell us a lot of stuff. He's a Department of Justice expert witness. He's got a lot of information on the narcotics business how it rolled through Tennessee and many other states. It's going to be a very exciting show. He's going to do a very big reveal, probably a reveal that would probably go into many other programs, and uh, it's going to be amazing. Sean, thanks a lot for joining me today, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Mike, for allowing us this opportunity. This has been a very long investigation that we've been doing, well over 10 years. I've been with law enforcement for over 20 years. I've uh, Worked everything from uh, just local patrol to uh, canine. I've worked for district attorneys as an investigator for the uh, Drug Task Force Violent Crime Unit. Started getting into corruption, and uh, that's pretty much where I kicked this entire thing off at. I saw your a lot of the stuff that you've done, and uh, I had some family members talk to you, and I saw all your all the stuff that you've done. You got documentation. I'm like, oh my god! I thought I had a lot of stuff done when I was in the SEAL teams and the CIA. You blow me away. You got quite a lot of stuff you've done and uh, a lot of stuff you're able to do. I appreciate, you know, what you've done for, you know, law enforcement and for our country. I know it's an uphill battle sometimes, you know, you got uh, some corruption that you're going to talk about. So let's kind of roll into that a little bit and and take it at any point that you want to. There's so much uh, discovery here. It's going to be amazing. I could, you know, jump in 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 a bunch of different places and there's so many rabbit holes to go down with this that, you know, for the listeners, I think it's just best to go back to the beginning. That's what I'll consider, you know, modern day, what, you know, the listeners will be like, hey, I remember that being on the news or or something like that. So, you know, what I'm looking at is the 1960s, you know, we were in Vietnam. And for whatever reason, people believe that's not for me to say, but we ended up having a group with the Central Intelligence Agency called Air America that went up into, I believe, is Laos and other places that were involved in the drug trade. And they were able to bring those narcotics back and distribute them throughout the United States. And this money that they gained, you know, went into to black ops and government and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, when all of that kind of stopped in the 70s, they had to open up a new revenue stream. And that new revenue stream is going to be South America and Mexico. And what they found, of course, is South America and Mexico, you're looking at marijuana and you're looking at the cocoa fields. So we have the cocaine. So that's where it brings us into the cocaine wars of the 1980s. Hmm. And what we have is we had the CIA bring in their people, go down to the CIA or go down to South America, start making deals and bringing back large amounts of cocaine. And that goes into the Iran-Contra affair that I'm sure a lot of us watched when we were kids or heard about and things like that. And it's where the CIA ended up giving Barry Seals a plane to fly weapons to South America for the Contras, and then he flew back cocaine. What people don't realize is Bush Sr., of course, was pretty much head of the CIA and things like that before he was vice president. So Bush Sr. had a a lot of ties into all of this, and he was one of the ones who organized majority of this stuff going on. 
And what they did is they ended up setting up shop in Mena, Arkansas. That's where the uh, Bushes get tied in with the Clintons. And the Clintons, of course, they're like, okay, we can make money. We can do this. We can have power. So, of course, they're going to accept and help in any way that they can. So your infrastructure for all of this was built in Mena, Arkansas. And uh, you had a lot of banks move in there. You had the military base start expanding. You had uh, the CIA purchased, I believe it was Ivor Johnson firearms when it went bankrupt and started making lowers for the weapons platforms like, like that, things like that, that they would be sending south. So when they got the cocaine back, they had to have a way somewhere to place the money and this and that. So that's where your banks all popped up in MENA. That's the birth of the Clinton Foundation. That's where they end up getting all of their power and all of their money for their organization. And of course, like any good business, a good business has got to have a way to get your product there. You got to have distribution and things like that. So they were using airplanes with Air America and they would bring it in, you know, up into, I believe it's Fort Polk and directly north of Fort Polk is going to be Mena, Arkansas. But sometimes they had to bring it in on the waterway, which they use the Tom Bigby waterway with the Mississippi River that runs through much of the eastern United States. There's a movie. So, excuse me. Sorry to interrupt, but you're, okay. you're on the roll. I love it. American made by Tom Cruise, which basically kind of outlines uh, a little bit of what you're talking about. Now, I've been told that Attorney General, former Attorney General Bill Barr was involved in this as well. It was like basically we go down and. um settle scores and stuff like that, or go in and investigate suspect stuff. Now, I know you're going to reveal a lot of stuff. And I know that because people are like, how does he know all this stuff? Well, a lot of us know this stuff, but yes. nothing ever happens because a lot of judges are corrupt too. So, I mean, if you want to throw some of that stuff in, I don't want to get too far off top because that's a rabbit hole, but uh, I just kind of, there's, there's a lot of us know this stuff. And it's, it's frustrating. Absolutely. It is frustrating. But you got to remember, you know, at one time in this one area in Tennessee, right off of the Tennessee River in uh, West Tennessee, they suspected that they had between 10 and 15 million dollars of cocaine being run through that one small town hmm. in Tennessee. And that kind of money, they can buy anything they want. Point. And that's where they ended up the uh, Clintons knew that they had to have a hub. The state of Tennessee is one of the largest hubs in the United States for everything. The trucking business, this is the hub of the United States. We have I-65, I-75, we have I-40, we have I-24, we have um, US-31, 64. And this takes you from north to south and east to west, anywhere you want to go, on top of the waterways. So what ended up happening is as the Clintons are growing, of course, whatever promises were made were made and the money's flowing. And of course, you have Bill Clinton's bid for the White House. That's where Al Gore comes in. The reason Al Gore came in is because during the time of all of this stuff going on, you had a governor here by the name of Ray Blanton here in Tennessee. Ray Blanton ended up coming under federal investigation for selling pardons and things like that. It was called Operation Tenpar. The FBI went after him. The local TBI went after him, which is our Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. 
some of the people of his cabinet were charged and, and found guilty. However, he kind of escaped. He ended up serving time for something else later on. But then at that time that he's in office, you have Hillary Clinton, who had wrote basically public health care program. And Governor Blanton brought that to the state of Tennessee and implemented it. So, you know, any citizen of the state of Tennessee could have insurance, health insurance. And he named it TenCare. And TenCare was basically written by Hillary Clinton while she was first lady of Arkansas. So they started having relationships like that. And they started utilizing their friends and family here in the state of Tennessee, the Clintons did, with the Gores. Al Gore's uncle is a high judge that was out of Hardin County, Tennessee, which is directly on the the, uh, Tennessee River. And he was kind of looked at as being the kind of head of operations for the narcotic smuggling and things like that. And uh, Whitlafon was kind of a crusty old backwoods judge who got away with pretty much everything. He was being investigated by the locals. That was shut down, of course. He started being investigated by the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation because of all the drugs that were moving through this area by way of semi-trucks, by way of the river. Mm -hmm. And the river is what people really picked up on. They had airplanes that were doing drops into the river and boats going out and picking up the the contents that were dropped. We have barges that were coming up the Tennessee River and boats going up to meet the barges, then going up into private skiffs. So this area of Tennessee was basically taken over by this whole thing with the Clintons and the Bushes out of Meany, Arkansas, because of where they brought the drugs, where they split them up, and then they were distributed. I'd shared some pictures, and I don't know if you have them, but you can see there's a a residence that's directly on the river. It's maybe in a 1,200-square-foot single-wide trailer, but yet it's got a 3,300-square-foot underground garage you can pull a semi into right on the river. Nobody's going to spend that kind of money, (laughs) you know, for for if they're not going to have a financial gain. So all of this is being orchestrated between the Clintons and the Bushes, Whitlafon, and Al Gore's family. And it continues to grow. It continues to grow. And they buy off the judges, local law enforcement. As a matter of fact, one of the main judges besides that, we've got several judges that are involved in this that are also involved in the trucking companies and part owner of the trucking companies that have been found with loads of drugs in them. It's really amazing. And it, you know, and it just expands from there. It just, once they got that money in there with the Clinton Foundation, everything just exploded. What's interesting about this is that you have all of this documenting this for like 10 or 20 years or something crazy, right? Yes, sir. So you have all the documentation. Some of this has already been released to uh, the Department of Justice and they're working on these cases. So as we're talking about this, anyone that's listening, you can go in and start pulling up any of this information and start to see, you know, what Sean's talking about is, is factual. So he's, he's dropping a lot of clues in here. Of course, he can't go down too far because this is uh, something that's being investigated. But look at the names he's saying. It starts to put a lot of pieces of the puzzle together. For me, as I'm listening, it's putting a lot of pieces of the puzzle together. This is incredible. Thank you so much. Basically, you know, we have them bringing in these narcotics and stuff. What has to happen before you put a product out? You have to build an infrastructure. And that's where your CIA and whoever they have 
start going and sending people out like to Los Angeles, mm. where we have the gangs that exploded in the 1980s. And what were they doing? They were selling crack cocaine. Mm. So you have ties to that. You have ties going throughout the United States. And some of the ties that we have, you know, locally, we have people that are citizens in several of these areas. And some of the key figures that we're investigating, we've talked to citizens down there. We have half the citizens telling us, look, the guy you're talking about is connected with the mob and organized crime. And then we'll be talking to another citizen and they're like, oh, you got to watch them. You know, he's connected to the CIA. So we know the CIA has worked with the mob in the past, you know, what is now the CIA, because of World War II, where we needed to have information about D-Day. We, so what did we do? We went to the mob. We went to organized crime. They made their contacts in Italy and all of that. They needed to know the depth of the water, what kind of sand it was, how high cliffs were. And the CIA or the government received that information back from the mob. So we, we know that there's been deep political ties between the government and the mob for many, many years. So it shouldn't be a surprise for people that, you know, they're at it again. And, you know, I hate to say that, but, you know, the truth is truth. So we have all of this stuff happening and Governor Blanton basically is ousted because he's found to be selling pardons and things like that. There's some murders that happen. And we had Alexander come in. He was put in office for a very short time. And then you have Governor McCorder, Ray McCorder. Ray McCorder carried everything that Blanton was doing on. He continued everything that was happening with the drugs and all of that. And they started appointing people to key positions within the government, within the state government. We had a, a gentleman by the name of Arzo Carson who started the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. He started the corruption unit, which helped take out the former governor. And they had arrested numerous sheriffs, law enforcement officers, and other officials. This, this corruption unit was just, they were great. They were doing their job. Well, when McCorder came in, McCorder basically pulled Arzo Carson out of office with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. And they put a guy in there by the name, uh, one of the junior agents there, by the name John Carney. John Carney is been in, with the TBI for years. He ends up running the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation as interim director for about eh, 16 months or so. And then all of a sudden they pull him out and they promote this other guy or they don't even promote a guy. They appoint a guy who's not in the agency to the director of the TBI. Now, when he does this, the guy that they, they put in, he starts making anything that has to do with drug investigations or anything to do that touches this narcotics trafficking down in uh, West Tennessee on the river, he shuts it down. He completely shuts it down. I uh, sat down with John Carney, the district attorney, and spoke to him about this. And he was, he's like, you know, Sean, that was a long time ago. I was like, yes, sir. And he said, you know, I had hopes of, you know, being the director. He said, that's what I wanted to do. And he said, you know, it kind of hurt my feelings that there were some letters and things put out about me that weren't true. He said, but I kept my mouth shut. And he said, and the next thing I know, he said, Governor McCorder calls me and asked me to come have breakfast with him one day at the uh, mansion. And uh, he said, I went to the mansion. He said, I entered through the kitchen area as he told me to. And we sat down, we had breakfast. He told me, being the governor, he said, you know, I appreciate you keeping your mouth shut about everything that's going on. And because of that, you have your law license. He said, you know, I'd like to promote you or appoint you to district attorney of the area where you grew up. 
And John looked at me, he said, you know, Sean, he said, that was my end game anyways. He said, so I took it and I've been here ever since. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So they're appointing people to all of these different positions. And one of the positions that they're really, the governors are appointing people to is to the district attorneys, because the district attorneys in the state of Tennessee basically have car blanche. They don't have to prosecute anybody and they can't get in trouble for not prosecuting somebody. So there is no checks and balances for the uh, district attorneys in the state of Tennessee for for any of them. The DA's conference is pretty much free to do whatever they want and or please. What's interesting is I started to see some of this when uh, I was in the CA, even all the way back when I was in the SEAL teams, we did the Panama invasion. After we did the invasion, then we started to uh, go after certain targets. And some of these targets were drug lords. And we started to, fortunately, our leadership said, okay, that's enough. And we were getting the targets from the CIA. And uh, so we're like, that's that's enough of that, guys. We're not going to do this anymore. So that, that basically ended our involvement. <laughs> you know, Operation Just Cause, was it about? Because we knew as we started to find out that Noriega was into drug running. And then we found out the CIA was doing drug running too. And they wanted us to hit or go after people, I guess, that weren't playing well. We are like, no. And then once I was working for the CIA, I started to see when I was in Afghanistan that they were, again, they shut down the DEA. They had a big operation. They completely shut them down, said, you're no longer needed. And all those guys were gone. And then we started to see the fishy stuff happen, you know, plane loads full of stuff, poppy fields being guarded by U.S. forces and so forth. Some of the people that were outside of, we're chasing terrorists, and then another group comes in and starts working the drug side. And we're like, what? So there was a lot, you know, you see fishy stuff going on over time. The CIA is supposed to be taking care of business outside the U.S. And the FBI takes care of business inside the U.S. But we're seeing, and I heard over the years that CIA agents are working inside the U.S. And now you're uh, disclosing this. And a lot of times they'll come in and say, this is top secret stuff. You can't get involved. Oh, yeah. They'll throw and it under national security track. blanket real quick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and shut down your operation. But you're like, oh, yeah, OK. And then, you you know, you, you work kind of work around that kind of stuff. You're getting roadblocks, I'm sure, all the time. How are your people working around that? Because we're dealing with the judiciary here. We're dealing with federal agencies. You know, you'll have a eager agent and then you'll have an eager prosecutor who wants to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at many levels, you have choke points. You may have three, you know, three levels that come to one individual. And then at that level, it gets stopped. We've had this investigation open twice at the federal level. And both times it's been shelved as soon as we start digging. The one judge has actually was under investigation for 30 years by the FBI, but nothing was ever done. And, you know, well, why was nothing ever done? Well, maybe because he's a CIA informant or maybe he's working for the CIA and the CIA is telling the FBI, hey, that's our guy. Leave him alone. You know, people, these, you know, a couple of these judges living well outside their means, you know, after the one passed away, they found a uh, airline hangar with millions of dollars worth of assets in there that nobody knew about. And it was way outside his pay grade, you know, so they keep shutting us down. Uh, they've come after us personally. They try to do character assassination. And as soon as that started happening, that is a major CIA 
government thing. You know, they can't impeach or discredit the information that you're bringing, but they try to impeach you to keep you from bringing it. So nobody will listen. You know, that's they did it with uh, Operation. I think it was um, Pegasus is part of this that gets into the CIA stuff that went down into South America and things like that on getting some of the uh, people with the government other governments to be quiet, you know, getting things on video. The CIA is good at getting things on video and then holding it over officials' heads right. and things of that nature. So, you know, it's it's been difficult and it's to the point now that we can't take this case anywhere. So the only thing I can do is release it to the public. I've got to get this out to the public. The people need to know what their government's doing. Mm-hmm. And that's just all it boils down to. We need to take the blinders off. We need to have accountability. Everything needs to be transparent. And people need to go to prison. There's too many people that are getting addicted to these drugs, too many people that are dying from these drugs. And then they have police officers and law enforcement out there dying, trying to get this stuff off the street. And, you know, you got this congressman and this U.S. senator who's given money. Oh, we're going to give law enforcement money to go after these drugs. But on the other hand, they're involved in bringing them in. And they're profiting. They're profiting through your private jails. They're profiting through private probation. They're profiting majorly through donations. And, you know, I've been able to to track down donations and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, I took it to one U.S. senator and I was showing him he'd been in contact with me. He told me to send him the information. And within 32 days, he resigned as a U.S. senator. And, you know, I'll be happy to share all of that information with your listeners and all that on, you know, another time. You know, I've got the emails that went back and forth between us that that are dated and everything. You know, when you have something that is this substantial and what people don't realize when you're dealing with billions of dollars and you're dealing with major politicians and they start sucking in your judges, your DAs, attorneys, start sucking in the local state representatives, the local state attorney generals and stuff like that. You know, then it goes higher and higher and higher so that they have their own complete infrastructure of people to be able to stop stuff before it even happens. So if you're at a local level at a small agency somewhere and you, uh, you know, end up popping something that's pretty major, they can make a few phone calls and make it go away. And, you know, that's what we're running into. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Jacob. Join me on Unleashing Intuition Secrets the podcast, where we'll uncover the hidden parts of our human potential and propel you to new heights of existence and consciousness realms. As a former Navy SEAL for 24 years and CIA security officer for 11, I've been involved in aggressive combat training and operated in combat zones for well over 35 years. From Panama, Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, Libya, and Lebanon, I have honed my leadership, tactical, combat skills, and knowledge expertise to a master level. As a little boy, five years old, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL after watching the movie Navy Frogmen. I also looked at the movies and read the books of Ian Fleming, 007, James Bond. I wanted to be that when I grew up. And I was always inspired by entrepreneurs that helped humanity and brought about great change that furthered the consciousness and abilities of humankind to master levels. I always wanted to do that. The first two I did to an extraordinary level, 
And now today, as an entrepreneur and speaker, reaching millions all over the world, now I'm sharing the information that really propelled me. When I was a chief enlisted officer, I motivated, led, trained, and provided inspiration and insight to officers of all ranks, all the way up to flag level, and even the Secretary of Defense for the United States. With my operational background, planning, master training, and course design abilities, I have trained thousands and thousands of military and law enforcement personnel, and now I inspire and train millions throughout the world with my intuitive insights into the workings of the human mind. I and many listening to this message are living proof that each of us have amazing potentials far beyond what most consider possible. For me, the impossible is what I strive to always master and excel at. And as a Navy SEAL and in the CIA and combat zones, I did the impossible over and over and over again. And now I want to help you do the same. Tune in to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast, and join the growing tribe as I show you how to unleash your own hidden potential. So I know, like myself, you've had some uh, attempts on your life. It's frustrating. You must have a host of angels protecting you, Sean. I know it's it's frustrating. You have a lot of good people that, you know, got your back. But uh, yes. over the years, you know, people kind of like pull away. You probably, you know lost some jobs like I did over the years yes. because you're a little too informed. Now, it's not that I, I spoke out too much. It's just I was in a position. I saw stuff. I didn't talk about it, but they knew that I knew. And so things didn't go well for me. And uh, right. so I can you speak a little bit about that? You know, when I get to the local side, I had went to work for a police department down there in West Tennessee. Mm. And that's where we were really digging into this. I had had information come to me. I called one of the agents, federal agents, and explained the information to him about a load that was supposed to be at a certain location. And he was like, well, how do you have that information? I told him how I had it. He's I'm actually en route to that location now. And he called me later and it ended up being a 900 pound load of narcotics. He and I met later and I showed him a very small amount of information that I had and where it led to. And basically, this federal agent looked at me and he said, there's no way possible. I don't believe this. I said, well, take it. Do your due diligence. Look at it. Disprove me. A week later, I pulled up to my agency and he's sitting outside. <laughs> and he's like, we need to talk. He said, I was able to validate everything that you put in there. And he was amazed. While I was at that agency, I did not know, but my mayor was actually part of this illegal organization and had done federal time for the sales and conspiracy of sales for cocaine and was part of the organization, a major part of the organization. And here he is a mayor. And um, that's where I started receiving death threats. And uh, I'd received a death threat at my, at my personal residence, which was a good ways away from my agency. And uh, a week later to the day I was hit head on in a car collision where I was given information about a load that was coming through. I found out later through an informant that these gentlemen had basically mistimed the car crash and were supposed to uh, hit the side by driver's side of the vehicle. And they had mistimed it and ended up having to hit me head on. They use a lot of vehicle crashes to remove people. 
We've identified numerous crashes where people have been fatalities in that were part of this organization. We got numerous deaths that are part of this, or, you know, from this organization. I'm pretty sure that uh, some of your abilities are, you're pretty intuitive because that's what's kept me alive all these years. You're able to know things a little bit ahead of time and that, that gives you the edge. I've talked to a lot of police officers and military over the years. There's only a small percentage of us, unfortunately. We try and teach everybody else, but they don't, right. they don't like to listen, you know. But uh, er- anyone can tap into this. But I've talked to guys who are like, they were like expert at finding guys that were stolen vehicles. They could look at a vehicle and go, that looks like stolen. And they call it in. It's like, boom. They like put on the, <laughs> yeah. put on. And so they, they were renowned. Everybody's like, how do you do that? He's like, yeah. the only way you could like, beat your record is if you pull out and and get somebody that's passing by sure enough he pulls out someone's passing by he calls it in it's a stolen vehicle so i mean some of us have these these abilities so congratulations that's why you're alive i'm sure good job yeah and you know one of the things that i did for a number of years that i loved in law enforcement is i did interdiction out on the interstates it was funny because i'd be looking for the indicators you know them transporting drugs weapons money humans whatever mm-hmm. and a lot of times i'd see a vehicle go by and i'd be like now now and then all of a sudden i just was automatically putting my vehicle in gear and going after the vehicle i just said no to i was finding my reasonable sufficient or probable cause to make the stop and i'm like i didn't think there was you know i'd already said no to this vehicle and here i am pulling out on it and lo and behold 99% of the time it was loaded you know, and that's just that's, that's that amazing. that's that intuition. If if you listen to it, it's going to tell you everything you need to know. Everything if we're seeing a lot of people that are going to probably push back on this, or we're not seeing it yet, but there will be. How do you keep yourself safe? And this is for other people because you're one of probably thousands of officers and law enforcement, you know, throughout the country that have incredible information. They don't know how to reveal it. They get pushed back and all kind of stuff. How do you go forward with this? Well, you know, the big thing is, you know, like I said, we're just going over some of the basic history today. And, you know, later on, if we can, getting into the other stuff and how it works and why it works the way it works, people will be able to start looking for those. Those are basically indicators that people can look for, gather up, And, you know, what we're really wanting to do right now is we're wanting to gather as much information. The thing that people have to remember is the person who has the information controls the game. And that's it. If you don't have the information, you're not even in the game. You've got to have the information. And the way the deep state, the Clinton Foundation and all of them that are receiving these illicit drug funds and all of that, the reason that they're able to stay where they're at is because they control the information through our media and all of that. So what we have to do as citizens is gather the information, have more information than what they do, and we put them on blast. We put them on blast from coast to coast so that everybody knows, because I guarantee you there's going to be senators I know there's senators. I know there's judges. I know there's district attorneys that have blood on their hands, period. And it's time that that information comes out. It goes public with people like you, Scott McKay, Nino. We have to get this out there. If people need help, I will help them. I will do everything I can to help them because these people need to be held accountable. 
100% need to be held accountable for what they're doing. That's a problem with our communities right now and our society is there is nobody being held accountable. And they're, they're almost untouchable. Like you, you know, talked about some major families, you know, the Clintons, the Gores, the Bushes, but they're, you have the evidence on them, but nothing's happening. We can talk about them, but unless someone actually gets involved in this and if they get involved, do they get like shut down or assassinated or, you know, what, whatever, how do we move forward? And you're saying it as more of us speak out about it, as more of us start to, you know, demand justice, it has to happen. They'll sell these guys out. There's people above them that were like, sacrifice yourself. And that's yes. what happens. Well, if we get all them, we just keep moving up. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have a prime example of that with one of the local judges here in Nashville that was involved with basically running the girls that came to his drug court. He was forcing them into, into prostitution and making them have sex with other senators, judges and other rich people. And, you know, several of these females ended up dead and uh, under mysterious circumstances. And, you know, he was held accountable to a certain level, but not the level he was supposed to. And he, you know, the heat wasn't put on him enough. And so basically he's gotten away with murder is what he's gotten away with. Mm -hmm. And the reason he's done that is he's thinking, okay, I've got enough political favors in here. The FBI is not going to push this real hard. So I'm going to plead guilty right here. And I'm going to make this go away because the people above him, they will take him out. You know, even though he may be a judge, they'll take him out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the only way to be able to, to hold people accountable is to get to people like him, put him in WITSIC with a witness protection or something. There's going to be weak links. And that's what we've got to get to are those weak links to start holding these people accountable, having a platform to be able to put it out on blast. And, and that's going to be it. You know, we've got, you know, I had a senator come to me and ask me to look into several deaths that are pertaining to the individuals that we're discussing right now. And, you know, we've pretty much been able to, to ascertain that these people did not die of an accidental death and they were murdered. Sure. But yet, because these people control everything all the way up to the White House, we can't hold them accountable. You know, what happens here in Tennessee isn't discussed in Utah. What happens here in Tennessee isn't discussed in Louisiana. What happens in Mississippi isn't discussed in Kentucky. And what they don't understand is this entire conglomerate, this entire organization, think of it as Walmart. The Clintons and the Bushes have built a Walmart of drugs, a Walmart of uh, human trafficking, weapons trafficking, and everything else. They have their complete infrastructure in place, and they are making money hand over fist. I saw that as the dark side of the CIA, too, so that's disturbing. I saw all that. And while I'm doing my job, I can see all that stuff going on. So I, I know you who are very, very focused on that. You're discovering quite a lot of stuff. Now, you mentioned human trafficking. We've heard that the human trafficking that's coming across the border now, maybe because I've had other people on, Victor Avilia, who's come on and, and talked about all the stuff, the drug running. He was, or not drug, right. but the uh, weapons running that he was involved with and uh, his partner was killed. And the Department of Justice and FBI basically tried to make him look like a bad guy. It was like, right. wow, you know, it's crazy. But, uh, you know, he, you have people like him that are uh, revealing, he's saying that the human smuggling, human trafficking, they're making more money on that than uh, drug smuggling. The reason they're making more money on drug smuggling is because once you use your product being cocaine, crack cocaine, or whatever it is, it's gone. So it's got to be replenished. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you're going to have to pay shipping costs. You're going to have to pay production costs. You're going to have to pay all of that. When they get a person in, 
they can use that person unlimitedly, you know, to no limit and sure, be able to yeah. keep making profit. They're only going to pay the cost of having them brought to the United States or whatever country they're going to. So what better way to make the money because they don't have to you know, regenerate anything. They're there. The people that were discussing, you know, I was brought into a human smuggling case about a week ago by a senator here. And he had me meet with a nonprofit with some uh, guys that are former military. And they brought me the information. Some of their targets overlapped my targets. I dug into some stuff for them. And, you know, I was able to validate everything that they had brought me. And what we found out is there are witnesses who have observed the human smuggling. Again, they're using the Tom Bigby waterway. People are being shipped through shipping containers on the railways and, and things like that. And it is big money. You want a pandemic? That's a pandemic. And the corruption and all of that, you know, it's the human struggling, uh, the, the human trafficking is just, it's just off the hook. And, and unfortunately, when it comes to the prostitution side, prostitution is the only oldest job known to man. So are we going to be able to get rid of it? No, we're not going to be able to get rid of it. But we can stop people from being enslaved. If we can get the correct people in office and get these corrupt people out. So, I mean, Trump was building the wall and uh, I guess the, you know, people coming over the border uh, was going down like it never gone down before. And now it's like blown up because we're seeing the corruption like you're talking about, you know, going all the way crime families that are political families all the way up to the top now. And uh, there's probably lots of stuff that leads back to them. But they're just you look at a crime families, oh, that that family. No, there's lots of people outside of them, like you're talking about. There's senators involved. There's judges involved. There's. You know, lots of different officials all the way down to just, uh, you know, the person that's just moving the moving the, the stuff around. So lots of people are involved in this, these operations and they're happening in every state in the union. But a lot of people think that, oh, my state's not like that. What do you have to say about that? They can say that. But the simple fact is. I will promise you that they have a friend or a family member that is involved in some type of drugs and those drugs have to come from somewhere and they're sold by somebody it's in the community alaska look at alaska you know it's very you know hard to get to and all of that but yet you still have all the drugs there just like you do everywhere else you're not going to run from it you're not going to hide from it and that's just a fact so anybody who's naive enough to say that they don't have an issue in their state they better get their head out of the sand and they better get their head out of the sand real quick because if we don't go after this now and we take out these corrupt people who are bringing in the narcotics, who are doing the human smuggling, they're going to keep on with their agenda right now and they're basically going to hand us over to China. And China is a huge issue with this. We've got China, you know, people don't realize there's a difference between fentanyl and carfentanil. You know, the carfentanil is coming in from China. They're bringing it in. A lot of it's coming in through the border down in Mexico. And, you know, the border patrol is missing it because they're they're changing the, the carfentanil by one molecule. So the test isn't picking it up. So all of a sudden we just had, you know, five pounds of carfentanil come through. That's enough to kill how many people? That's part of these organizations that we're discussing. You know, I had to look back through the uh, EPIC reports and through the HIDA reports, high intensity drug trafficking reports. And I started doing an analysis of that because I wanted to try to ascertain how much is actually moving through this area. And I looked at the years that Trump was in office and it was amazing the decline 
in the narcotics that were being trafficked. A lot of the narcotics that were being found by the guys doing interdiction were, you know, some uh, marijuana, a lot of the uh, vapes that had the THC, a lot of methamphetamine, which we refer to as ice. And we didn't get that much cocaine. As a matter of fact, crack cocaine, we just hadn't seen it for a while. Then all of a sudden, we have the border open back up under the Biden administration. And three years ago, we were lucky if we could find a pound of methamphetamine doing interdiction. Right now, they're hitting 20 pounds, 30 pounds daily. They just had an agent that I spoke with with uh, Homeland Security, I believe is out of the El Paso district, hit 4,000 pounds of methamphetamine. And, you know, I spoke to him and you know, they're moving it again through the, these exact same means. And what people have to remember is when you have organized crime, it is exactly that. It is organized crime. And these people know each other. They take care of each other because if they don't, the money stops flowing. So that's why we've got to, we've got to go after them. You know, we've got district attorneys that I can get into later on that are involved in this that we have actually identified. We've got a DA that I've identified that actually brought up uh, first-degree murder charges on two individuals who owed money to a certain political family here in Tennessee, and he framed them for first-degree murder. They were able to uh, basically go back to trial and show that they didn't do it, but that DA withheld evidence that showed that they were not the ones who did it. And then when they retried it, he brought in a special prosecutor that is, is corrupt. He's actually referred to as the godfather. He had to put the original DA on the stand. The original DA actually lied on the stand under oath to try to convict these guys. But, you know, everything ended up being shown for what it was. But he's still the district attorney, which means he's still a problem. You know, and this is just a drop in the the bucket, Mike. Mm. The stuff that was happening that was out of Mena, Arkansas, you know, it started happening over in, in Hardin County, Tennessee. Like I said, in West Tennessee on the Tennessee River, you have... Whit LaFon, who basically set it up, Al Gore's uncle. And at one point in the investigation years ago, when all of this was really coming in from Mina, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation was contacted by Al Gore directly, the director that was put in, and he was put in there to stop the investigations. Al Gore called him directly and told him to shut down the investigation. And he did. And it it wasn't that investigation wasn't picked up again until I started investigating it and bringing everything forward. And the funny thing is, is all of these people that are involved in this, as a matter of fact, even the agent that took the phone call from Al Gore, gave it to the director. He's even been promoted currently to the head of one of the largest law enforcement agencies in the state of Tennessee. Okay, so they're putting their people in key positions to, again, control the information, control the flow of information, and control law enforcement, control the courts, all of it. You know, I, I work with uh, a lot of law enforcement over the years. I was a, a breacher in the SEAL teams, and we would have law enforcement we work with and mm-hmm. you know, do sniper work and uh, breaching and close quarter combat, all that stuff. It was amazing. I work with actually uh, some guys in Memphis. Uh, I thought they were really professional guys, LA and New York, some really, really high end SWAT guys. So those guys would be like, oh, you guys are the best. We're talking about us SEALs. And at the time we weren't in war. And I'm like, you guys are, you're like going in to hit houses almost every night. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, no, you guys are best. Guys are like, like yourself are like putting their asses on the line all the time and like high risk. Yeah. 
warrant yes. takedowns. It's unbelievable. I don't think the public really has any clue. Those guys are like super humble about it, but man, my hat is off to the guys that do this stuff. Oh my God. You know, it's, it's, uh, of course we're adrenaline junkies. <laughs> and, uh, <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that helps. <laughs> um, we love doing what we do and, you know, we really don't want to do anything else. It's just, you know, mm. it's, it's your way of life. It is life and you, you know, eat, sleep, breathe, drink it. And, you know, you love it. And, um, I've thought about going back and I may go back. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I know they will never let me continue working the stuff that I'm currently working. You know, I can, you know, put together little ties here and there, be okay. But as far as them allowing me to bring it to adjudication and, and prosecution, you know, until we're able to, again, just put all this information out there, it's just, it's not going to go anywhere in the courts. It's just a fact, especially when you have stuff like this that's, you know, connected to, you know, again, Iran-Contra, when you have stuff like this that's connected to the Iran deal. That's how deep this goes that, you know, it's a tit for tat type of thing is, you know, you do this for me and I'm going to do this for you. And, you know, I've got timelines broke down of all these different rabbit holes, who's involved in what, how they're involved in it and everything. As a matter of fact, one of the guys that I was sitting down with getting intel from was a captain with the uh, Rangers. And uh, he ended up going to work doing some stuff for the NSA. And I was asking him about an address that I had with one of the judges that's involved and another gentleman. They had a corresponding address. And he looked at the uh, the judge's names. He's like, that don't, don't ring a bell. But then he looks at the other guy's name. He goes, wait a second. And I was like, what? He goes, dude, he said, this family has organized crime out of New Jersey. Wow. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. So he told me, you know, which family it was. I was like, okay. And he said, what address are they tied to together? So I showed him the address and he just kind of went blank. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he said, I know that address. I said, well, how do you know that address? He said, because I had a skiff on the top floor. And I was like, what? And he said, I had a skiff on the top floor of that building. That's the State Department building in D.C. Why is a judge that's corrupt bringing in narcotics and this guy who is part of a crime family out of New Jersey that share an address in Memphis, going back to an address in D.C. at the State Department. Doesn't make any sense. You know, we've untied diplomatic pouches that are coming from other countries going into P.O. boxes in Texas. Mm. You doing what you've done in your life, you know you don't send a PO, uh, uh, diplomatic pouch to a P.O. box. Yeah, usually uh, someone's on the other end of that. That's interesting. The corruption is like so widespread. I love what you're doing. Because not only you're a door kicker, but you're actually, you know, on the side where you're like investigating and finding all this information out. That really helps a lot because you've had that on the ground experience. That's that's the way it was in my career too. You know, I had the door kicker stuff and then I flew the desk. I'm like, no, I can't fly the desk, but it I learned a lot there. But then so when I went back to kick the doors, it was like uh, on another level. We did a lot more, we were more efficient. So how do you see it going forward as far as like, you know, more people getting involved like yourself? Well, you know, again, getting this information out through your different platforms like this, we can gain more intel. Okay. And the more intel that we're able to gain, the more pieces of this puzzle that we're able to put together and then disseminating that information amongst the public, it's going to get to the point that it cannot be, you know, nobody can cover it up anymore. They can't sweep it under the rug anymore because look, 
Here's the evidence. There's going to be some pissed off family members that have information that have been forced to be quiet or that somebody was afraid to come forward. And again, this is a historical case. So some of this stuff may have happened five years ago, but it still matters to have that little piece of the puzzle. And, you know, having all these little pieces of the puzzle is what's going to get us to where all of us need to be, where this country needs to be, period. Yeah, I, I see your big picture. So we're, we're definitely going to get behind you on this and uh, get this out there. So the guys are downrange, you know, doing the door kicking. They feel a little bit more comfortable, like, hey, we're, we're disclosing. Because I saw this overseas. We would have like terrorists and we're like, okay, we got this terrorist. And then a helicopter would come in and we're like, oh, we're going to find out all this information. They take the terrorist away and we would never hear anything again. Like, so there's a lot of corruption in a lot of different places. You know, we risk our lives, all of us you know, to gather this information and shut down these evil organizations. And they come and support themselves by, you know, taking away our good work. And uh, I know you've obviously been involved in that quite a bit. So you're, you're going to help out. You're going to like, you know, we're going to spread this stuff. We're going to get you on a, a, these other shows and we'll have you back. You know, we'll, I'll have everything lined up <laughs> this next time you come in to send me the information. I'll have it, you know, ready. Yep. We'll talk about it in detail because people love to see the pictures, you know, it helps, yes. helps that, that part of themselves. I'm the same way. I, you know, I look right. at something and I'm like, Oh, I, I get it. We'll do that. You had some great pictures that you shared. I saw those, but they're buried in my email. Sorry about that. But I we'll, know you're oh. good. You know, what I can do is, you know, we'll put it together. So when we disseminate this stuff to the public, we're almost going to do, you know, a briefing. Excellent. They've got yeah. the basics right now of the history. Uh, yeah. You know, we can get into the actual nitty gritty part of it and how they're doing mm -hmm. stuff, who's doing what, you know, and disseminate that information. Your listeners, you know, let's educate them. Education is what they don't want. That's why they've tried to take over all of these school boards and all of this stuff, because they don't want people to think outside the box. Well, you Absolutely. know what, people? We need to take that box and we need to kick that damn thing off the front porch and say, hey, <laughs> we're going out here and we're going to do something. You know, that's what needs to happen. But we have to be able to give the people the education, tell them what to look for, and then bring everything together cumulatively and go forward. Because, Absolutely. again, he who controls the information controls the game. And we want to control that. That's we want right. it on our side. Yeah. That's exactly we want to, right. There you go. Beautiful, beautiful, Sean. So, Sean, how can people reach you? I'm going to put the information down in the uh, description box. I do. I've got a company. It's called FTG Solutions. And uh, basically, it stands for F those guys solutions. They don't matter. And uh, you can reach us at uh, our email, which is uh, FTG solutions llc at gmail.com all right very good yeah we'll have that down in the description box but everybody just heard it we'll have it out there i'm going to share this as far as i can you know i get censored a lot but uh i think this is a good one i don't think there's anything being censored. i don't think there's anything <laughs> in here that uh they, they can uh fight me on but uh you know you never know but yeah rumble seems to be really good i got a nice following on rumble these other guys that are out there have massive channels too we're going to get this uh, word out there and we're going to keep it and, and get the uh, the information edge on these guys. It's going to be beautiful going forward. We're looking forward Absolutely. to it. Yes, sir. All right, Sean Taylor, you're definitely a hero. I'm sure everyone that watches this is going to feel the same way. Thanks a lot for the work you're doing and uh, look forward to learning more from you in the future. Hey, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your listeners and the work they're about to do. Absolutely. Good deal. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality.